as leaders can model better language and help our leaders become better bosses. The research shows that 70% of employee engagement is a function of the manager's behavior. So the key to employee engagement is simple. Build better bosses. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, Taking Care of Business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 136. Our guest today is Krister Ungerbach, keynote speaker, CEO, coach, and global expert on the language of leadership. He is the author of the new book, Language of Leadership, Words to Transform How We Lead, Live, and Love. Prior to retiring at age 42, Krister was the award-winning CEO of one of the largest family-owned software companies in the world. He and his teams have won five consecutive top workplace awards and achieved employee engagement levels of 99.3%. Good morning, Krister. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning, Craig. How are you? Fantastic. It's a windy day here, but I think we're going to have a good time with it anyway, so we'll see. Hopefully the internet stays with us. Say congratulations on your new book. Tell us what led you to take on this marathon of writing the book. Yeah, so uh, it's actually about three years ago as of uh, this taping. So I was previously CEO of one of the largest family-owned software companies in the world. And I say that my most profound leadership insights did not come while I was CEO of this quickly growing software company. They actually came after I found myself standing in front of a mirror at the YMCA crying. And so moments before that, I had been asked by a woman who was filling out a gym membership, and she asked me, who is your emergency contact? Here I was, CEO of a company with hundreds of employees in eight countries, and I had no one at that time. And there was a moment where I said, I'm a leader with no followers. And I had been reading you know, business books since I was 12 years old, the Harvard Business Review. I'd been educated, you know, gotten my uh, master's in... I realized that I had been looking in the wrong places for leadership secrets all these years. And so I began a journey looking kind of outside of the business press for the secrets to leadership and emotional intelligence and the things that had kind of led me to the solutions that looted me as CEO and led me to that day at the YMCA. And the point was that what I realized that day at the YMCA was that the number one destructor of business value is broken relationships. And you've got your marketing people don't like the salespeople, the salespeople don't like the operations people, and no one likes the finance people. And so big part of the language of leadership was really kind of taking a lot of the things that I learned, kind of exploring outside of the business press, and then condensing them into concrete language that leaders can use to lead differently, drive more employee engagement, faster business growth, and lead with more emotional intelligence. Wow, it's a major undertaking. And of course, when we hear the word language, we usually hear it in the reference to countries. Tell us about the alignment of language as it applies to leaders. So in my experience, the language does actually come through countries. So where this language of leadership was born is, I moved to Europe shortly after September 11th to open businesses in France and Germany and so on. And 
I had spoken French for six years when I was in high school. But as most Americans, we learn in high school and then people won't even speak uh, French back to us on the streets. So I said, one of our first customers was the Palais de Festival de Cannes, the host of the Cannes Film Festival. So I thought I knew I need to practice my French. They don't speak any English down there. I'm going to go down and I'm going to do a three-day workshop all in French and it's going to be great. Monday morning, my salesperson called me and he said, boss, I've got kind of some bad news for you. I talked to the people in Cannes and they said, your French is terrible. They don't ever want to see you in Cannes ever again. (laughs) And so I immediately went out and found the best business French teacher in all of Europe, according to the European Wall Street Journal. And so he taught me how to lead in French. And then three years later, I had to do the same thing in German. He taught me how to lead in business in a new language. And so a lot of this language of leadership is really informed from those years of getting really present about the words that I had to use when learning to lead in two new languages as an adult. Wow. And is there a difference between the language of leadership and, say, management? So, yes, simultaneously, our business was crossing kind of the 100 employee barrier. And so one of the things that I found is the difference between leadership and management. I was a software engineer. And what I found was that I was following what I call the language of expertise, which I especially see this in leaders that I coach who are in the kind of five to maybe 20 employee range. And many of us don't outgrow it. I probably didn't outgrow it until we hit about 100 employees. But the language of expertise is the language of leading with answers or leading with solutions. And so what I found is, one, the language of expertise is seductive because we as leaders, when we speak the language of expertise, it feels great to go and go home at the end of the day and say, you know, the solution that I gave my team is going to save them weeks or months of time working on the wrong solution. The challenge is that the leadership of expertise is not seductive to all employees. The next category of employees, the ones who want to go home at 5 p.m. and switch off work, probably not the kind of people you want to have for 90% of your employees. They love the language of expertise, too, from leaders because they don't need to think about the problems. They're basically pushing the problems back up to the boss. But the one category of employee who does not like being led with the language of expertise is the top performers, like many of your listeners and many of their best people. The top performers on your team are not the ones that want to be given the answers. They didn't copy the answers off the test from the people sitting next to them. They want to come up with their own answers. So one of the things I found as we kind of hit this 100 employee barrier, and frankly, it would have been better if I had learned it about 10 or 15 employees was that questions lead and answers follow. And so as a leader, am I leading with questions or am I following my people with answers? And so part of this journey was I had heard those things while I was CEO and I got better at it, but I never really, really internalized it until some of the things that I learned on this journey after the YMCA. And one of the things that I found was a book by a peace activist named Marshall Rosenberg, who's no longer alive. And the book was written like 20 or 30 years ago called Nonviolent Communication. And one of his quotes that really struck me is that we listen for people's needs, not their words. So if you imagine that I'm that leader 
and I've got that line of five people outside of my office waiting for my answers, or I've got the 300, 200, 300 emails coming into my inbox every day of all these people waiting for answers for me, what need am I meeting within myself? Is there some need for validation or feeling important or what is that need? And as we start listening for other people's needs, when we're in meetings and people come into us, whether it's asking for a raise or they're wanting to kind of state their opinions, it really can shift our perspective of how we see the people that we lead on a day-to-day basis. It's so fascinating to me, Krister, because, you know, it makes me think about how most people that start their own business, most entrepreneurs were working for someone before, right? Before they started. Yeah. So what happens is, is when we're coming at it from an employee mindset, we're sort of trained and incentivized to give people solutions all the time, right? So so we have that sort of leading with the answer mindset. And we are also unfortunately rooted in that same mindset sometimes when we're dealing with customers. So we mm-hmm. want to lead with our answer all the time. And you see this happening again and again. And, and you're so right. As soon as you do that, you've now depowered some of your best players. And you're not getting the information, by the way, that can significantly improve the quality of organizational decision making. And, and it's not necessarily that you'd never lead with the language of expertise. But when I found is like when I'm working 60, 80 hours a week, especially when our organization crossed 100 employees. And again, I wish I had learned this sooner. I can't lead 100 people with answers because at the end of the day, there's not enough hours in a day that I can actually lead all those people. So the only other option is leading with questions. So what really kind of solidified this was I was at a workshop a couple of years ago by a guy named David Rock, who wrote a couple books on leadership and coaching And there was somebody sitting across from me who was instructed to ask me, they had a list of questions. And these were really mundane questions like, how long have you been thinking about this, Shai? Or so how important is this? And so they said, pick a situation and we're going to brainstorm this. And this was somebody who didn't know me. They picked randomly questions. And and I came to insights about my challenge, which my challenge was like working out more. Like I wanted to run a marathon, right? So The strangest thing was that if I showed you right now those list of questions and said, I'm going to randomly pick one of those off of a list and you're going to achieve an insight, you'd be like, that's craziness. But the reality is is I sat there and I experienced it myself. I took those questions and kind of came up with something like they were a little bit more believable that a leader could use with their team. And I created this experiment called the Magic Management 8-Ball Challenge. So actually, you can't see because I'm on radio, but I have one of those, you know, Magic Management 8-Ball toys. You know, you shake it up, and then it gives you, you know, the little fortune-telling answers. And then I have a list of 15 questions here that listeners can download from my website at christer.com with a K slash born. And let's say we have a problem, a challenge, whether it's a customer challenge or something in our business assemble five or six people or people from my team. And me as the leader, rather than trying to prepare for this meeting, the solution to the problem, I'm simply going to go in and I'm going to ask a random set of questions that I've come up with. Now, I'm not saying you necessarily need to use the magic management eight ball to come up with a random list of questions. But the point is, as an experiment, what would happen if you did? Uh, One thing I can guarantee that would happen is that if I spend an hour thinking about what the solutions are, 
if I just go in and with a random set of questions, I can actually cut my preparation time to about 30 seconds or less. So the way it works is you can really just pick randomly off the list of questions. Imagine you go into this meeting and you've got your five or 10 people there. And I, as the leader say, you know, what three options are you considering and why? Which is one of the random questions. Or what questions have we not yet asked that we should ask? Or this is a great one for ending a meeting is often the most powerful insights are in the words left unsaid. What's been left unsaid here? So I, as a leader, simply by asking more powerful questions, letting the group actually kind of brainstorm and talk through their things, then now I have more information, as you mentioned, that I can walk away and then I can go make the decision if we don't actually already come to the decision there as a team in the meeting. Yeah, it's a brilliant way to really empower them. And you're activating their brains, right? You're activating their natural curiosity. And all the time we hear about how do I increase engagement? How do I get people to engage more? And how do I access their ideas? Yeah. And that's, that's a very practical demonstration of exactly how to do that. So one of the things that I learned from my French teacher, and there's a chapter in the book called The Language of Curiosity about how to ask better questions. Again, getting really present to the words that I was using, one really simple way to ask better questions is to simply make sure that every single one of our questions starts with either the word what or how. You'll notice uh, of the questions on this magic management eight ball, I put them together. And at the end, I look back and every single one of them starts with the word what or how. Too often as leaders, what we ask is, is what David Rock calls questions. They're suggestions disguised as questions. Like, so have you called the customer or why don't we do this? Which is really just a suggestion disguised as a question, starting with the word why. Chris, you're in your leadership with your company and it's amazing growth. And I was just reading here, you're at 99.3% engagement at an employee level year after year. Well, what types of activities or interactions along these lines of language have been the highest return for you? People often wonder, like, what is 99.3% employee engagement? So the, the first thing is you have to measure it, right? So I think as Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets managed. So we would measure that by asking employees anonymously, how strongly do you agree with the following statement? I would like to be working with this organization one year from now. And so in the last year before I retired, we had 99.3% of our employees, every single employee but one, responded that agree or strongly agree to that statement. Honestly, I, I was kind of blown away. But the principle that got us there, the research shows that 70% of employee engagement is a function of the manager's behavior. So the key to employee engagement is simple. Build better bosses. And so the best way to upgrade our boss's behavior is by upgrading their language that they use when they speak with people. And this was fundamentally what I found is, as myself as a leader, what I found is in many cases, my heart was in the right place, but my words were not. And so the language of leadership is very much a fill in the blanks framework for speak in this way, fill in the blanks, whether it's for delegation or giving feedback, all of these things where people can just upgrade their language of leadership to use different types of questions and speak in a more emotionally intelligent way 
that drives more employee engagement and greater connection between leaders and the people on their teams. And you mentioned emotional intelligence. What's working and what's not working out there from the standpoint of attaining emotional intelligence and maintaining it? Yeah, so this was an area that I probably learned the most on the journey of creating this book. I'd read a lot about emotional intelligence, starting with Daniel Goleman's book in the 1990s about emotional intelligence. So I had an intellectual understanding of what emotional intelligence was. And and frankly, I actually thought that I communicated in an emotionally intelligent way. But when I really learned in the last couple of years, I actually wasn't. And the interesting thing was... English speakers actually have a little bit more of a challenge to speak in an emotionally intelligent way compared to other languages. If you look up the word to feel in an English thesaurus, you'll find the word to think is a synonym. But if you look up the word, uh, the French word sentir in a French thesaurus, you will not find the word penser to think. And the same thing with German, I believe in Spanish and, and many other world languages. So, What happens is I thought, and I think many leaders think that we're speaking in an emotionally intelligent way when we say, you know, I feel like you disappointed me, or I feel like you did that on purpose. And so what happens is this language construct, and this is really the core of how the language of leadership works. When I say the words, I feel that, I feel like, I'm actually stating a thought. So the language antidote, if I want to speak in an emotionally intelligent way, I feel, and the next word needs to be a feeling word. So I feel sad. I feel afraid. I feel angry. uh, I feel happy. And you can really stick with the core five to seven emotions, and you can build much more connection with employees. Because when I say I feel that you did that on purpose, that's not bringing us closer together, that thought. But when I say I feel sad, or I feel afraid, then that actually does bring us closer together from a leader to another. Now, the other thing I found as a business owner is the most common, and I would say this is not just a business owner, it's just leaders in general, the most common emotion that we actually feel is anger. So I feel angry that that proposal was late or that there were spelling errors or whatever it may be. But what I learned on the journey is that anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is what many psychologists will say is a secondary emotion. So when we feel angry, we look at that as like an alarm bell. So what is the emotion behind my anger? And especially for business owners, what I realized is that the emotion behind anger most frequently is fear. So imagine I have a salesperson or a service person who screws up with one of my largest customers. Yes, I'm angry that that happened. But when I peel the layer back, I'm actually afraid because if we lose our largest customer, what does that mean? Am I going to be able to make payroll? Am I going to have to lay people off? What does that mean? What does that mean for me personally? Am I going to go bankrupt? So if I have a conversation with an employee, and this ties directly back into employee engagement, but if I have a conversation with an employee and say, hey, I'm angry about that proposal to our largest customer being late or low quality versus saying, hey, I'm afraid. Because if we lose our largest customer or we lose this big project that we're bidding on, then I can't offer the benefits and the careers and the growth that I've kind of committed to the people who are part of this organization. And I pull my employees in and bring them closer to me, assuming they like me as a person and they don't like for me to be afraid, then I pull them closer and they want to do better work. 
compared to the opposite of saying, if I'm angry, what happens is the employee walks out of my office and they're in a state of fear. And the neuroscience tells us that when someone is in a state of fear, the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that's responsible for creativity, starts to shut down. So I put someone in a state of fear. They leave my office going to try to solve the problem, but their brain is actually not online in a way that helps them to actually solve the problem. However, if they're feeling empathy for my fear as a leader or sadness or whatever, their brain is still online and they're actually in a place where they can actually solve that problem. So this language of emotional intelligence and how we speak in an emotionally intelligent way and bringing it back to employee engagement, these things are all really closely linked together. Christopher, why do you think it's so hard for us to adopt these kinds of behaviors? Honestly, I believe that language is a big part of it. You know, I think a lot of the things around emotional intelligence and employee engagement is kind of fuzzy. And I believe that language is the thing that fundamentally is where the rubber meets the road in leadership. I can believe that I'm emotionally intelligent. I thought that myself as a leader. But if my, the words that come out of my mouth are not driving kind of more emotional connection with people, then belief really doesn't do anything for me. So that, I believe, is really the challenge. At least that's my personal experience going from that 99.3% employee engagement. So one of the things, whenever we had someone who wasn't engaged or would leave our company, we would always say, well, who's that person's boss? Well, the interesting thing is that one person on our employee survey who was not engaged guess whose boss that person was? It was me. And so by looking back at my own behavior, as well as the behavior of the hundreds of people that were working in our organization, the more we as leaders can model better language and help our leaders become better bosses with better language, that I believe is the core of overcoming the challenge. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for joining us on Business Owners Radio today. Thank you. It's been great. Uh, It's been great for us. We appreciate it. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I have some of the things that I mentioned here at KristerWithAK.com slash born. In advance of the book, I'm going to be video blogging and blogging some of the key insights of the book. So your listeners can sign up for that and start getting value well in advance of the book being launched. Krister, when will the book be launched? So if you're intending to build better bosses, of course, the best day to launch a book for building better boss is on Bosses Day, which is October 16th, 2019. But as I mentioned, listeners can get a lot of the preview of the content well in advance of October 16th by subscribing at the website. Our guest today has been Krister Ungerbach, author of the upcoming book release titled The Language of Leadership, Words to Transform How We Lead, Live, and Love. You can learn more about Christer, as well as find links to his content and leading up to his book release at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.